This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Get an all-access experience with player interviews, exclusive practice information, and post-game analysts with the source you can't find anywhere else. This is South Philly Sauce, hosted by Flyers game day host Ashlyn Sullivan and Philly sports radio legend Al Morganti. Welcome to South Philly Sauce, an Odyssey original brought to you by... 94 WIP and Jack Daniels. I'm Al Morgana. Usually Ashlyn Sullivan's with me, but she's not here this morning. So I am happy to have a Hall of Famer, Mark Howe, especially happy, Mark, because it's the morning after Travis Konechny got a Gordie Howe hat trick. And I got to ask you, what is that like? Your dad is named after Gordie Howe. What is it like hearing it's still in the in the in the language of hockey all these years later? Well, uh, dad's name, I think, will uh, will go on for an, ever and ever for anybody that uh, is in love with this game. And, uh, you know, as will Bobby Orr and uh, Wayne Gretzky, Marilyn Mew. I mean, those names just live on forever. But, uh, yeah, uh, ironically, uh, I guess they said Gord- dad didn't actually have that many Gordie Howe hat tricks, but... Uh, uh, I just think a lot of people didn't feel like fighting him, fighting him after a while. <laughs> I think they just gave the minor penalty for a fight back then. They didn't give you the the fighting major that. But it's uh, it was remarkable. Konechny has uh, that part of the game that your dad was so good at. Just the, just being physical. That that part of the game just has never left. Though though it's fast and everything else, it seems like that that is forever going to be part of how to be successful. And Konechny's better because of it. I think so. I like I, I scouted the uh, Konechny uh, enough to know that uh, when he's playing his best, it's when he's involved physically. Uh, when uh, quote unquote, when he thinks he's a player uh, and the game comes easy to him, he's not near as effective. And uh, and I think it's helping him a lot this year um, having Couturier back at center ice. So uh, I know his dad's theory: if I got a really good left winger. Um, uh, I want a right-hand sentiment. If I got a good uh, right winger, I want a left hand. So I want a guy that's passing on his forehand. Uh, and there's very few exceptions. I mean, guys like Bobby Clark were great at passing the puck forehand, backhand. Um, my best offensive year uh, as a left winger in the WHA was uh, playing with Andre Lacroix, uh, an original flyer uh, who was fantastic at passing on his backhand as well. But generally as a role, um, so, but in the case of connecting, you got Couturier feeding him the puck. And, uh, I know, uh, with Couturier missing all last year, I think it really hurt the team at having him back. It, it adds a lot of stability to, uh, to the middle of the rink, which is a vital, vital piece of the team. Yeah. Mark, you have a unique, uh, you know, perspective having been a winger, as you just said, then hall of fame defenseman <laughs> to move, to move to that position. You see what the flyers are going through in this whole trying this process of trying to be an elite team again when you look at them and you were with Detroit a number of years as a scout so you saw how that built up into a dynasty where do you think the Flyers are in this rebuild Um, just especially in terms of the defensemen that they have right now 
Well, I, I, you, you need, if you go back, I mean, all you have to do is go back recently, look at Tampa Bay. Um, I mean, you, they were getting to the finals. They were getting close to the final. They were losing every year. And it's just because they couldn't suffocate you defensively. And they were loose in their own end of the rink. Then they built their defense up. They had five guys on their back end that were 225 or over. And uh, mobility was fantastic. Great competitors, great puck movers. Um, you know, and then, then they started winning cups. If you got to the third period and Tampa had a one-goal lead, the thing that impressed me the most was they could just shut you down. And you never looked at Tampa that way before, but that's why they won cups. You look at the success that the Chicago Blackhawks had with the defense they had, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. You go back to even at the end of my career, you look at the New Jersey Devils and Stevens and Niedemeyer with Falski. I mean, you just go on and on. And you have to have a good defense in order to win, uh, to win cups. Uh, and and I, I believe that the Flyers will probably have that same philosophy. And uh, I, I do think their defense is playing. I, actually, I think their, their team is playing above expectations. Uh, from what I read, I've only seen a few games. Uh, but they're, they're playing as a team. They're playing as a unit. But in order to win, and I know the goal is to win Stanley Cups. It's not just to get to the playoffs. It's to win Stanley Cups. And uh, in order to do that, uh, you have to have a really solid back end. And, uh, you know, I think the last 20, 25, 30 years of hockey has kind of proven that. But how, how do you, you know, you've been involved as a, when you're involved in an organization, you, you talk, talk to the front as what's coming. You know what the fans expect. How difficult is it to stay patient to realize the payoff, payoff isn't going to come necessarily this year or next year? As an organization, how difficult is it to kind of just stay with the plan that you have and not try to jump ahead? Uh, well, you need, you need strong leadership. So, I, I mean, you go back to the case of the Detroit Red Wings, and I think it's been seven years. I mean, we went, we went yeah. 25 years making the playoffs every year, winning cups, uh, been in contention most years. Uh, but then, you know, like we knew when number five, Nick Lidstrom, was retiring, that things were going to uh, start sliding pretty quickly. And um, unfortunately, uh, they had, they did very poor in the lottery. Um, and the, you know, I think, uh, over a four year stretch, the worst you could do is go up 12, uh, draft picks and they went up nine or 10 and, uh, it, it just, and it sets you back. And, uh, so the one year they draft Phillips Adina because we went up three, if we'd gone down one, the very next year I'm watching Carolina play and I'm watching Svechnikov play. So mm-hmm. the luck, the luck of that lottery, Went from a, a Philip Zadina who's struggling to play in the league to Svechnikov, who's one heck of a player. So you need to be lucky. You need to be lucky on the right years, um, but you need the leadership. So Steve Eisman uh, has has stayed the course, and it, and I know he's going to stay the course. Uh, and but right now, I think the people in Detroit they're starting to see some of the results of some of the Stevie went out on the limb, made some picks. Um, he, along with Chris Draper and the people are seeing the results of, uh, of those picks. And, uh, so there, but it's been seven years. Um, you need, uh, the, but I think, uh, the, the flyers, like I said, I, I think they need to build uh, a Stanley cup type of defense. And that does take a few years, but they, uh, but the one thing, the games I've been to this year, there was one game. I, I always judge the games by how much energy is in my body when I walk out of that <laughs> rink. 
And there was one game, well, I think two games where, uh, and they haven't played as well at home as they have on the road. Uh, but there's two games I walked out and I felt a little energized. And I think for the fans, um, I didn't have that last year, but I had that feeling this year. So as a fan and watching the game, uh, that's encouraging. And, uh, yeah, and I think there's a strong belief in the new leadership of the team. Uh, I know they, they moved on from, uh, some great, great leaders in the past, but it's, it's a new vision and, uh, and the people believe in, uh, in what they're seeing. And I, and I believe in it too. Yeah. And there, everybody seems to be excited about the Russian kid, Mitch, Mitch, he's supposed to be coming over, you know, waiting for him. So you're waiting, waiting for the Russian, the Russian player, the mad Russian, as Tortorella calls him. How difficult is that as a front, as a scout, as a, to, to kind of put, kind of put everything when do you know it's the real deal? Will they even know until he gets here and, and he's on the ice? Or, or are the guys the guys that are just a blue lock? It's difficult for me to see. I mean, I can watch junior hockey or college hockey. But when I hear about Mitchkov, I'm like, I, I'm just, I just believe. <laughs> Is it a, should we all just believe right here? Well, I, I don't know. Because like anything I read was uh, he would probably have been the number two pick overall. And uh, he drops to the Flyers. And. Um, and ideally, I don't think they really want a guy to come over now because the worst thing you can do is be mediocre good and just barely make the playoffs and get the 14th draft pick. I mean, it's, it's really a bad situation. You need, you need high picks, uh, or you gotta, you gotta get lucky when you're, when you're starting to pick uh, number 10 to 30, it's kind of a crapshoot a lot of times. Uh, but from what I hear, like if you're getting a guy who who should have been a number two overall pick, you're getting a good player. And uh, sometimes it, uh, there's an adjustment period for the Euro Europeans, the Russians, the Soviets when they come over uh, of getting used to the smaller ice surface, uh, getting used to playing, uh, you know, 82-game 80, schedule and getting used to the lifestyle and language. A lot of times it's about a one-year transition. Um, but ideally, I think a guy uh, that would be number two overall, he's going to be good enough to play in the league. And all you all you're looking for is a progression of him getting better. Yeah. We do something here sometimes called lost in the sauce, uh, which is a guys that you know their game kind of dips a little bit, or or they're going somewhere else. Trade deadline's coming up less than a month from now, and I know you've lived through it on on either side, man management as a player. So what's it like for a guy like Risto Ristolainen or Scotty Lawton uh, to go to go toward a deadline here wondering and how valuable are guys like that to a team that thinks they can make a run at it? Well, they're extremely important. I know uh, in Detroit every year, if we felt uh, that we were in contention, a real contender for the Stanley Cup, not just a team getting in the playoffs, uh, and you could never have enough depth because you always have injuries. Uh, you, uh, I, one year we picked up uh, Larry Murphy. I think that was 97. Uh, he ended up being plus 12 playing with Nick Lidstrom in the finals. Uh, the next year we pick up Jamie McCowan. We wanted Jamie McCowan to be our, hopefully our fifth in our fifth, sixth pairing. Well, he and Bob Rouse uh, ended up being in our three, four pairing and uh, dominating the games defensively. So, um, especially on the back end and, uh, normally in the up front, um, sometimes you maybe need one guy, whatever, but, uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're bringing in an experienced guy, 
Uh, like I said, and both those guys are capable NHL players. Um, you know, and you know, as, as long as you slot them correctly, if you don't put them too high in your lineup, uh, they can impact and help any team. So, and you look at the veterans that the the Flyers have. What's it like trying to get that mix right in terms of you know they bring in a guy like Stoll here, to, a, a player that's a veteran player coming on. Everybody, you always hear, oh, the veterans will help the kids. How much of that is real? Uh, well, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, whether you like Chris Chelios or not, uh, when I saw him trying to make a comeback, um, and he once uh, played one year in the, uh, in, with, for the Chicago Wolves. Well, his partner, the year prior, was minus 40. Then he played with Chris Chelios. He was plus 45. Chris <laughs> Chelios retires, and he was minus 50 the next year. So does it make a difference? Yeah, and I and I used to say a lot of times, like we had a couple defensemen, young guys in Detroit, and it was after Chelly had retired, and I said, I wish I had Chris Chelios back just so he could play with a certain guy. And Stahl's one of those guys. They had Stahl in Detroit for a couple of years, and uh, he's a fantastic defenseman. He knows his – when you get a guy who's really sound defensively and positionally, it just makes the game that much easier for his partner. And uh, I know when I was playing here uh, uh, back in the in the late '80s, when uh, our team was starting to dip, and Shell Samuels, Shell uh, Samuelson was a great partner of mine, uh, but they, everybody else was kind of gone, so they split us up, um, and uh, they put us with young rookies. And and the reason is just to do that. I think when I went to Detroit, also uh, Brad McCrimmon went to Detroit. So one year I partnered with uh, Konstantinov, another year I partnered partner with Lidstrom, and Brad did the same thing. And it, what it is, is they're just trying to get you – so you get on that ice and you try to stabilize the game and then you let them grow from there. And you, and you build a confidence. And uh, But once you – and I learned uh, – because I never learned anything about defense till I became a flyer, and it was Eddie Van Imp. And Eddie Van Imp tried to teach me how he played the game positionally and then and, and I had a better skill set obviously he was much uh, bigger stronger and tougher uh, but trying to learn the game positionally uh, from what Eddie taught me uh, I would work on it every day in practice and it just made me much better as an overall player I mean you're because you're always in the right position now to jump into the offense you're in the right position to jump on loose pucks uh, if you got your back to the play you're not seeing things then you can't you can't make those uh, assessments and you can't uh, and, and you're going to lose a lot of one on one uh, battles for the puck and um, and you're not going to pick the right times to go off the ice. So being sound positionally, having your feet up ice, your eyes up ice, knowing where all ten people on the ice are is vitally important. And that's what really good uh, NHL uh, defensemen do. It's a rarity to do what you did. It's virtually impossible. To, to go from a winger to being an elite defenseman. Do you ever look at guys and even at the NHL level and, and think they're not in there, right? They could be more valuable in another position. Uh, yeah, there's a few guys. I, well, actually, uh, with the Red Wings one year, uh, we had a couple injuries um, and Scotty Bowman uh, put Sergei Fedorov back on defense. Uh, I just, we were getting ready for some, uh, mid season meetings. So we flew down to Dallas. I watched the game in Dallas 
Sergey played defense after the game. They said, what do you think? I said, if you leave him there the rest of the year, he'll win the Norris Trophy. <laughs> and uh, it's just, uh, well, he, and some, and Sergey was uh, very conscientious of his uh, game in his own end of the rink. And I know as a forward, I mean, yeah, I thought I, you know, it's important to score, but I was brought up where I always took care of my guy. I, I, if I could score a goal, my, my uh, opponent, the right winger I played against, if he didn't score, I've, I've won my job for the night. And uh, so, but I was very conscientious of my own end of the rank. And therefore now when you're playing defense, it's like, it's like you work harder not to get scored against than you do trying to score a goal. Uh, you know, then there's other guys, the other end of the, you know, like when I played, uh, played on a line with Wayne Gretzky in the all-star series with you know, so great, I had Gordy on the right wing, Wayne at center, me on the left wing, <laughs> but, I, but I'd never played with a guy before Wayne wanted to score every single shift. I don't think he really cared so much about the other end, but, but you know, that's my, that was my job. Uh, and, uh, but something that I did normally anyway, but I, the Wayne just attack, 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 attack. And um, so there's no way Wayne could play defense. But if you do have that uh, mentality of uh, being able to play in your own end of the rink, then yeah. And um, no, and it's and what I liked about it as a winger, you could only play 23, maybe 24 minutes a night and still uh, remain effective back in the day. Uh, but you could go out and easily play 30 minutes as a defenseman. So I'd, I liked it. So you're, you're on the ice. You come off, you catch your breath, you're back on the ice again. Mark, how many, how many people can just offhandedly say I was on a line with Wayne Gretzky and Gordy Howe? Uh, not many. Well, I, I always always laugh. So they uh, they had to throw after the morning skate. Uh, they had the three of us together, and they took a picture. And after two clicks of the camera, I just kind of yeah, just ventured out of the frame. I said, I I know what's going on here. So uh, yeah, I've actually. There's a, there's a whole bunch of, uh, it was a three game series, but there was a whole bunch of photos and, uh, there's Gordy and Wayne sitting together. And then there's a, a third guy that just happened to be there. Uh, but no, it was, uh, yeah, it was, pre it was pretty special. I don't know if you ever just happened to be there. And in my opinion, the best defenseman ever to play for the Flyers and Hall of Famer. And you go back all the way. This is hard to believe. Everybody, everybody talks about the 1980 Olympic team team. You were on a team in 72 that won a silver medal and you were 16 years old. How, how incredible was that to be that young Olympics and, and come away with a medal like that? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't because of me. They won the medal. I can guarantee you that. So uh, I had a, a whole bunch of zeros for stats, but uh, I was kind of, a they stuck me on the fourth line energy guy. And uh, my job was run around and hit as many people as I could. Do not get scored against. And uh, but you no, know, basically we, we had a great goaltender, uh, Huffer Christian. We had, you know, the captain, uh, um, Henry Boucher, like Robbie Fatorik was uh, took care of me all the time. I lived with three guys from Boston, and and I just I was on that team just by freak accident. So the year before in our playoffs in Detroit, I hurt my knee. Um, and I was going to need surgery. Had I not done that, I would have been playing in Toronto, making $10 a week and would have been considered a pro and couldn't have played. So I stayed in Detroit. My rehab was going to take me about three months. Um, so I pretty, pretty big cut and, uh, going through that. And then 
uh, our junior team in Detroit, the junior wings, we had an exhibition game lined up against uh, against the Olympic team. And that was kind of my target. I, I put that on the calendar as I'm going to get back for that game. And um, fortunately enough for me, they were impressed enough with uh, – and that was the only first game I'd played in about six, seven months, but they were happy enough with the way I played. And I got invited into Minnesota and, uh, uh, and, you know, fortunately I earned a spot. Like I said, it was a minor role on the team, but, uh, I ended up, Hey, I missed, I missed school for six weeks as a 16 uh, year old kid. So it was a bonus. That's a, well, it's a heck of a start to an, an unbelievable career. And you look at the league now, obviously faster league or whatever, but I'm curious what you think of, I don't do ever do you ever play for John Tortorella and did you ever think at this stage that kind of coaching still works hard code coaching still works with players Well I th- I think so um uh and I I think John has changed a little bit too over over time but he definitely knows uh, lets you know who's the boss he has a certain style that his teams play uh you know they're sound positionally they're sound on their own and they block a lot of shots um but he's my impression as an outsider is um, like one is either you respect the coach or you better fear him. And in some cases, I think there's I think it's both. And I think he might fall in that category where I know the play. If I and I look at it, if I was a player, would I like to play for him? Yeah, I would. I think I would. I because, yeah, if you're not doing the right thing, yeah, you're going to hear. You better fear him a little. But I, I do have respect for him as a coach. So, um, and, and you can tell, especially with a young team, uh, I, think the, I think the players on that team have a lot of respect for him. Yeah, and it looks that way. And it looks like the, it looks like the energy, you mentioned, mentioned it when you went to the games, you know, having, you know, the whole Detroit thing, great hockey town, original six, then Hartford, now in Philadelphia. What's it like to see kind of the rebirth of the Flyers? Because they did kind of dip pretty far in recent years and years here. Like to now see kind of everything coming back with the orange and black. Uh, well, I wouldn't get too excited. Um, like I said, for me, I think they're exceeding expectations. Um, uh, but there's it's it's a I, it's a process. Uh, but like it, it's a process. Uh, like I said, not to build a team that gets to the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a process to build a, a true Stanley Cup contender. Um, I mean, you look look at the success that Vegas had. Uh, so they go to the Stanley Cup finals their first year. Uh, then uh, I think next year they lost in the semifinals, whatever. And then now it's four, five years removed or whatever. They have a totally rebuilt defense. And so... Um, they, they go out and the biggest move they made was getting Petrangelo out of St. Louis. So now you got your number one guy. And then they had Martinez and you add all the guys around it. Now you got four or five, uh, like big time defensemen. Then you bring in a couple other guys that are great and, uh, and you have depth in their lineup, but that's from a team who went to the Stanley cup finals and then did a total rebuild to build their team. So, uh, my contention is, yeah, the flyers are, are they good enough? Yeah, they're they're going to have to battle to make the playoffs. But like Jersey lost last night, uh, Washington lost last night. When those teams keep losing, then the Flyers have a much better chance of getting in the playoffs. But uh, but I do know the goal is not to get in the playoffs. Their their goal is to build a Stanley Cup contender. 
Right, and finally, going to wrap it up. I know you were part of the alumni weekend coming in. How, how nice has that been with a lot of you guys stay around the area here to still have so many ex-Flyers still involved, still around? Yeah, well, I, I've lived, I've basically lived in this area since 1982. Uh, I, I've continued to uh, enjoy my place on Long Beach Island uh, all these years. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, especially in my situation here at home now, I'm, I'm kind of a primary caregiver for my longtime uh, girlfriend, Sharon. Uh, she's had some health issues. And um, so, and, and I get help a lot of days so I can get out. But uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking, uh, when I do get out, I look for different things. And actually the alumni, is a, it's, a, uh, it's a great thing for me because uh, and I try to do things, uh, you know, Brad Marsh has done an outstanding job, outstanding job with the alumni. Uh, I try to do some things with the warrior program, different things. And, um, you know, playing, going to the alumni fantasy camp and, and like they have the alumni suite for the guys to attend the game. So I get down Actually, I'm going to the game on the 24th. Uh, but it, so I really look forward to it. And, uh, but uh, being being part of the team, I think that uh, I think the community really took to back in the '80s. Uh, like I tell people all the time, I said every time you're out, I go, it, it's a hundred percent a positive thing. People coming up, talking to you, talking hockey, this and that. Uh, so it's 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 really nice, and it's uh, uh, I'm real real proud to be part of the community. And that's I guess one of the reasons. Uh, since my mom and dad had both passed, uh, they'd started the uh, charity uh, called the Howe Foundation, and uh, like we just made another donation to Snyder Hockey to be uh, to try to help part of the local community. And so I think over the last over the last five years, I think we've donated 145,000, and we're hoping to continue that. So uh, yeah, so uh, not only myself, but uh, you know the Howe Foundation itself is is vested in this community. Well, Mark, it's uh, been a pleasure talking to you. You've been a valuable part of the organization as a player and now as an alumni, and you're going to remain hockey royalty forever. So uh, thanks for everything you've done, and uh, we'll get you on here again, maybe talk when the Flyers are actually in the playoffs a bit. Yeah, all right. Well, either that we can talk sailing like we used to back That's in right. the day. <laughs> you know, I'm a better reporter than I am a sailor. You want to see something break, come on one of my boats. Yeah, all right. Sounds good, right. Al. Thank you, Mark. All right, All right that's you. Mark Howe for South Philly Sauce and Honesty Original, brought to you by 94WIP and Jack Daniels.